Welcome to the FCBC NYC podcast. We're so thankful that you decided to join us in this moment and in this season in your life. Our prayer is that this podcast will be a catalyst for conversion and transformation and that you will be inspired and renewed in such a tremendous way that your desire will be to be your best for God. Again, thank you for listening, and we're excited to see what is next in your life. We are an ever-evolving community of visionaries, dreamers, and doers who have been called by God to live the lives we're created to live, commanded by God to love beyond the limits of our prejudices, and commissioned by God to serve, called to live, commanded to love, and commissioned to serve. Here at FCBC, we like to say it this way, we live. We love and we serve. Amen. I want today, really for the next two Sundays, to speak from a passage of Scripture. I remember it came to me this week, many years ago, before I became the pastor of FCBC. I used to do uh, revival here at FCBC. In fact, last Sunday, the fourth Sunday of July, July 25th, was 17 years to the day. I first began my journey here at FCBC, July 25th, 2004. It was my very first Sunday as a senior pastor here. But before that, the very first time I preached in FCBC was July of 1991 during youth youth revival. And then after that, many years doing fall revival. I have a picture, a picture of that first night of revival. And I came here that night and I was here with, Reverend Lakeisha, who was then my girlfriend, and my son was two months old. And now he, he is all grown, and he the youth and young adult pastor at FCBC. So he's been in this building since 1991, the year he was born. And so just grateful to be here in these 25 years. But I remember one year when I did fall revival, I did revival three nights, and three nights, for three nights, I preached from the same passage of Scripture. And uh, I want to preach from that tonight, I guess in celebration of these years here at FCBC, not just this week, but next week as well. So Matthew 14, Matthew 14, I want to read tonight um, verses 22 through 29. Matthew 14, verses 22 through 29. I'm reading from the New Revised Standard Version of Scripture. And here's how it reads. Immediately, he made the disciples get in the boat and go on ahead to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But by this time, the the boat battered by the waves was far from the land, for the wind was against them. And early in the morning, he came walking toward them on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, saying, it is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat, started walking on water, and came toward Jesus. Amen. Let us pray. 
God, thank you on tonight, today, and thank you for this opportunity to just be in this space, this place, one more time. God, we are grateful that every day, with every new dawning day, you pour into us. You pour into us life and strength. But, oh, God, you also shower us with grace and love. And for that, oh, God, we are deeply indebted. And then, oh, God, if your love and your grace weren't enough, you endow us with your power and your presence. You've gifted us in ways we cannot even begin to fully comprehend. And for that, too, oh, God, we are grateful. God, in this moment that is ours to share, open our eyes, our hearts, our minds, O oh God, that we might be receptive to not your read word or your written word, but your revealed word. Thank you, God, for insight and revelation. Thank you, God, for lifting us higher. Thank you, God, for sharing in this journey with us. We love you, Lord. Now, O oh God, let your word do its own work. And we'll be sure to give you all the honor and the glory because you are truly worthy. We love you. It's in your name we pray. We say amen. Amen, beloved. Let me read that again in your hearing. Matthew 14, 22 through 29. Immediately, he made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But by this time, the boat, battered by the waves, was far from the land, for the wind was against them. And early in the morning, he came walking toward them on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, saying, it is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat, started walking on the water, and came toward Jesus. Amen. This morning, I want to speak briefly, briefly from the thought, the idea, moving in the moment, moving in the moment. This scene is one of those scenes that reminds me of several things, but the first thing I'm reminded of in reading it is something that is jarring in the very beginning. Jesus gives directive to the disciples to go on ahead of him to the other side. And they honor Jesus' directive. They gather themselves, get into a boat, and while Jesus is dismissing the crowd, and then he goes up to the mountain to take time to pray. It's said that the disciples encounter a storm where the waves and the wind are boisterous and battering their frail and feeble vessel. I take note of this scene because it says something that oftentimes 
disrupts people's um, adolescent theological musings. It's this idea that somehow when you're obedient to God, or to some directive from God, that everything should be smooth and easy. I remember being shaken loose from that theological misgiving at a young age, early in ministry, realizing that sometimes the struggle and the challenges you face often accompany the commitment you make. That being committed to this journey and being committed to this walk of discipleship and being committed to God does not necessarily guarantee that you are immune from the contradictions of life or that somehow those contradictions that arise in your life are a measure of the nature of your relationship. In other words, there's some who would dare say that the challenges, the obstacles, the hardships, the heartbreak, the sorrow, the suffering you encounter is a sign and a signal that something is fractured and wounded in the relationship between you and God. There could be nothing further from the truth that life happens, and life happens to us all, and life in its topsy-turvy, up and down, inconsistent manner will assault us all along the journey of life. But it's good to see, and I don't want to say good, and I don't mean that in a kind of undermining manner, but this idea that you can be obedient and still encounter storms, that you can honor the directive and still encounter a challenge, a struggle. And that's something that many of us need to hear today because I cannot begin to tell you that after 25 years of pastoring, 32 years of preaching, how many people who confuse commitment and crisis and think that the crisis is an indication that their lack of commitment is real. Or maybe their relationship is not solid, not strong, not sound. But it is so with any relationship, any kind of relationship where there are challenges that come along the way, obstacles that come along the way. But it's not an indication that something is flawed or wrong all the time. It's just the nature of the journey of life. And here they are, disciples who had been journeying with Jesus, who had witnessed Jesus feed a multitude of people. No matter where they went with Jesus, the crowds would arrive to see the miraculous manifestation of God in the presence and in the person of this carpenter from Galilee. And so here they are, being obedient to the director from Jesus. Not the first time they've encountered a storm being obedient, but in this scene, something happens. The writer of Matthew says that the vessel they are on, those disciples, those 12 disciples, frail, feeble vessel, is being battered and bruised by a storm. And it is in the middle of the night, early morning, at its darkest moment, in the dark, in a storm, and there is no Jesus present. It is as if they have been sent into this crisis without their leader, without the one who has manifested God's power, and now they must navigate this storm leaderless and without the carpenter. And so in that very moment, Jesus finishes praying and he comes down from the mountain. And something must have happened in the mountain. I've often wondered what was the nature of the sacred conversation between Jesus and God. Think about it, because the writer says that Jesus goes up, he dismisses the crowd, goes up to the mountain to pray, and Jesus comes down from the mountain praying and now walking on water. Think about what that conversation must have been like. Maybe, maybe God in that moment introduced Jesus to some unknown power that Jesus possessed. 
Maybe he was walking in the power that he heard and received on the mountaintop. It's amazing how sometimes those moments where we steal away to spend time with God not only become energizing and transformative, but it may be revelatory at the same time. Maybe we discover things about ourselves in our alone time with God that we don't always discover in the crowds that surround us. And maybe even sometimes when we're in the midst of honoring the assignments in our lives, that it's important to pause in the midst of the journey, in the midst of the work, in the midst of the mission, in the midst of the assignment, to tap into the power that has galvanized our energies in ways that has put us on the path we are on, connected to the assignment of our lives. So he comes down from the mountain, not clear from our parts what the conversation was, but here's what I know. He comes down from the mountain with a belief that he can walk on water. And walk on water, Jesus does. Now, we don't know if his walk in the water was to get to those disciples who are being battered in the boat. But here's what I do know, that when he walks on water in the middle of the night, it is dark. It is a storm. It is dark. They are leaderless and feeling alone because they do not possess in that moment the person who embodies the power of God. As Jesus walks on water. The middle of the night, early morning, darkness hovers over the water, over the storm. And when they see this figure in the storm moving in the darkness, they yell out, it is a ghost. Fear has gripped them and panic has overtaken them. And if the storm wasn't bad enough, now they are being assaulted by some unknown, unseen figure. It must be something that is non-human. Who else? to be able to walk and hover across the water in the middle of a storm. And they cry out, it is a ghost. But in the midst of their fear and their panic and their terror, their fear, their panic, and their terror is shattered by the piercing tones of a familiar voice. Do not be afraid. It is I. It's me. Jesus is at some distance away from the disciples, and they can't fully make out. And here's where I've said before, this is an interesting scene, because many people who approach this scene wonder, in some ways, did they even recognize Jesus? Well, no, because they identified the figure as a ghost. They cannot see Jesus. They cannot make out the figure. And in their minds, this must be some non-human figure, maybe a ghost, or perhaps, in their minds, some spirit, some phantom that is now hovering, walking across the water. And then Jesus reassures them, no, it is me. You've never seen me in this space before. You've never seen this manifestation. But just because the manifestation of God's presence and power in my life has never been seen doesn't mean it's not real. Here Jesus is walking across the water. And then he says those words that should have brought comfort, and I'm sure they did. It is I. Do not be afraid. It is I. But the problem is, is that they're seeing a figure walk on water. They've never experienced this before, so they're uncertain who the eye is. But then Peter, and I love this scene, and I won't be before you long today. I love this scene. Peter hears the familiar tones of the carpenter's voice. And when he hears the tones from Jesus' voice piercing through the boisterous wind and waves, Peter makes a decision in the moment. Peter shifts it because Peter's first cry is not save us from the storm. Peter doesn't get enough credit in this scene. He doesn't say, Jesus, help us. In that moment, tempestuous, verbose, Peter 
says, no, if it's you, if it's who I think it is, because I know that voice, I want to do what you're doing. Can you imagine that the possibility of experiencing something new transcended a desire to be saved from an unfamiliar storm? I want you to capture that. Peter does not make a plea for deliverance. But he makes a plea to share in the unseen, unknown power up to that point. If it is you, if it is who I think it is on the other end of that voice, bid me to come on the water. I want to walk like you're walking. I want to experience the power you possess. You see, I'm going to pause here for a second because in so many ways, I wish that we who claim to be disciples in some way, who claim to honor God, would have the kind of courageous audaciousness as Peter. What do you mean? You see, we have a tendency in, in this journey to want to celebrate power and not experience it. We, we, it would be easy. I, I can imagine. I'm often amazed. Charles, how, how there aren't more songs sung about walking on water. Because that's what we do when we encounter a power that we do not think we're able to participate in. We celebratize a person who's walking to power. We make songs. We write hymns. We elevate. We lift. And we never ask to participate in the power that is present before us. We want to celebrate what someone else is doing. We want to honor what someone else is doing. But we don't want to participate in the same power that is available. If you ever go to the Gospel of John, you go to that 17th chapter, you'll see Jesus' prayer for his disciples. Listen to Jesus' prayer if you have a chance. Jesus says to God, my hope, my desire, my prayer is that they, disciples, would be one with you, God, as you and I are one. Can you imagine that? That Jesus' prayer is that we would be one with God as Jesus and God are one. And apparently the oneness that Jesus has with God is of such stature that he can take from that oneness the power to walk on water. And we'd rather just talk and sing about it and not walk in it. Peter leads a different way to follow Jesus. Not to simply celebrate the presence of God's power, but a deep, earnest desire to share in it, and to also be a manifestation of it. What courage, what bravery. And it's one thing to be courageous and audacious when there is no storm, but he is desiring to share in the power when his life is on the line and never makes a plea for deliverance. Can you imagine how bold and audacious your relationship is when you'd rather share than be delivered? When you'd rather possess than let fear shape your language? Fear would have made you cry out for help. Fear would have said, Jesus, save us. Fear would have said, deliver us. But something about Peter's understanding of this relationship he has with Jesus and his belief in the presence and power of God made manifest through Jesus, caused him to want to share in the power of Jesus. Look at the moment, and, and even though I'm speaking it, the moment is not long as the writer writes it. It's a short moment. 
Jesus says, go on the other side. They go. A storm rises. They're being battered. Jesus comes down from the mountain, walks on the water. They cry out, it is a ghost. He says, it is I. Do not be afraid. Peter says, if it is you, I want to walk on water. And here's the part. Because there's a, there is, I love the language of Howard Thurman. Sometimes there is a desert and a sea between our desire and our actualizing the desire. Because it's one thing to say, I want to walk. Bid me come. Because the world of difference between asking for it and then walking in it. I love what the writer says. Very simple, profound words. And Peter got out of the boat. That's the line. Peter got out of the boat. How many sinking ships have you stayed in? How many times have you stayed? And rather live in the fear and the peril than take a chance on what might be possible. How many times have you been held captive in the primordial boats in your life? Where instead of taking a chance, you'd rather languish on the shores of familiarity instead of stepping out and experiencing a potential. Here's a thought. If we stay on the boat, and I can't imagine. I don't know what Peter thought, but I, if I know it was me, and I had that kind of courageous, audaciousness, I don't say, well, listen, if I stay on the boat, I die. <laughs> if I get out of the boat, I die. Well, let me at least die trying something new. I want you to get that. If I'm going to go down, it reminds me, it reminds me of a poem I learned. I got some Spellhouse people in here today. Y'all get that? Look that up. I got some spellhouse people in here today. And I remember during my freshman year at Morehouse, I heard a poem read that Howard Thurman used to declare all the time, so much so that they attributed authorship to him, and he never really wrote it. But it was this, I'm tired of sailing my little ship far inside the harbor bar. I want to go out where the big ships float, out on the deep where the great ones are. And should my frail craft prove too slight, for waves that sweep those billows o'er, I'd rather go down in a stirring fight than drowse to death by the sheltered shore. Sometimes in your life, you got to make a decision that with this life, I will not drowse to death by the sheltered shore. I will not always seek the safe thing. I will not always seek what is familiar. I will not always seek what is logical. Sometimes you got to make sure that you go down in a stirring fight and do what you've never done and be what you've never been and go where you've never gone. And sometimes the only way you meet the new you is to shake free from the old you and be willing to do something different. A whole lot of us right now are drowsing and drowning on shores that are shallow and not because the water is low, because our ambitions are low. Our desires have not reached mountaintop level. And we spiritualize our valley aspirations. Oh, no. Sometimes those moments that make a difference in your life. And i got to put it this way. I've lived, thank God, for 50 years. I love saying that. It has a certain ring to it. <laughs> I've, loved, I've lived for 50 years. And in my 50 years of living, Here's what I've discovered, and I'm sure that many who are watching have discovered this as well. In my 50 years, what I have discovered 
is that the greatest moments of my life have been the most unplanned moments of my life. Well, I hope you get that. My greatest moments have been the moments that came unannounced, unplanned, unexpected. It is amazing. If you actually line up the things you planned for versus the things you didn't see coming and which were the most memorable, I promise you, the breakthroughs you never saw coming are the ones that had a way of shifting and reshaping the contours and the construct and the nature of your life. It is the unexpected. Peter did not get up that day and said, today, I'm going to walk on water. He didn't even get in the storm thinking, today, in the storm, I walk on water. But when he heard a familiar voice, he made an insane request without certainty or assurance. Oh, let me pull back. He made a request without certainty or assurance. Look at what he says. If it is you. Wait a minute. Peter doesn't say, I know it's you. Look at what he's willing to risk. He's willing to risk his life on if. If it is you, bid me to come and walk on water. And then Jesus almost gives him the magic word. No long scripture reading, no long faded and faded words, no prayer and tarrying, no fasting, no singing, no embracing in arms till we get a word or a breakthrough. One word, come. I learned in my life something else. That there will come a moment in your life where you have to take a big step on a word. All he heard was come, not come and you'll be safe. (laughs) Not come and everything will work out. Not come and there'll be no danger. Not step out and everything will put itself together. Come, not knowing what will be on the other side of his courage. And here's the word in the moment. In the midst of the storm, while the boat is being battered, while the waves are boisterous, in the moment he moved. And every now and again, what I'm trying to tell some of us, that there won't be moments where you can always calculate the outcome. And in that moment when the spirit moves and when the energy is right and when the vibrations are moving and when the frequency is on point, you move in the moment and watch what's going to happen. You can't guarantee everything will work out in life. No matter how much you plan for it, Now, no matter how much you calculate for it, there will come a moment in your life, if you have not experienced it, where your future and your destiny is beckoning, and it's not in a calculated moment. Can you move in the moment and trust? Because sometimes in that moment, there is no guarantee. There is no certainty. You don't know how it will turn out, but you've made up in your mind. I know it's going to happen if I stay here. I might as well go there and see what's going to happen. How many times have you stayed in the familiar because the unknown was too dark? (laughs) Oh, when your future is beckoning you out of your present. And your present is telling you you can't go back to your past. you got to move in the moment. 
And Peter, here it is, got out of the boat, the text said, and walked on the water. I'm done, but I have to say this. I know, folk, I know, I know some people like them other 11 disciples on that boat. You already know. You already know. It's amazing to me how terrified people always know what's best for you. You, you, ever, you ever experienced that? People who are operating in fear, but they know the plan. Now, now you don't get that in the text, but I, I, I know enough about human personality and character to know that when Peter made the motion, like this motion here, to get out, you know he had 11 folk in that boat saying, what you doing? What, what, what are you doing? Because fear is a particular part, kind of paralysis that causes you to project your fear on others. You gripped, and because you stuck, because you're gripped by fear, you want other people to stay stuck with you. And I know he had those other disciples saying, Peter, do not get out of this boat. We don't even know who that is. And can you imagine that conversation? Yeah, I'm not sure, but I know that voice. And if it is who I think it is, something powerful is about to happen. I've seen him work too much. <laughs> to get fearful in this moment. Oh, God, I felt that. I've seen God work too much in my life to let fear paralyze me and let fear cause me to stay stuck and let fear cause me to see, stay stagnant. You've seen too much to stay in the boat. You've experienced too much to stay in the boat. Get out of the boat. Move in the moment and let God get the glory because of your courageous audaciousness. The story will never be the same. Your life will never be the same. The journey will never be the same. And then you'll be able to go back and look back over and connect dots of audacity and begin to see those moments in your life where you were able to move here and move there. And I moved and I didn't know what would happen. Oh, God, I know some of y'all know about it. I spoke to Alicia this week. She said that this is the fifth year celebrating her being in New York. Came here on a one-way ticket to New York, not knowing who, not knowing what. But every now and again, when you've seen God work before, you got to trust that God is going to work again. What makes you think that God's power stopped with your fear? Oh, no. Sometimes God's power is beckoning your audacity and your courage to get out of the boat and see what God will do. And you might just surprise yourself and you might find out that you are more buoyant than you thought you were. And you, like Peter, will start walking in spaces that were not designed for you to walk on. Walking in the places that were not designed for you to walk in. Walking through doors that were said shut to you but open to your courage. Oh, God. It all depends on your willingness to move in the moment. It ain't got to make sense. It ain't got to sound right. It ain't even got to look right. But my God, can you imagine? Oh, I'm done. I, I'm really done. I wish I could have been a wave that day. <laughs> I, I, I wish 
I could have been a wave when, 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 when the attempt was to imbalance Peter. And yet he still remained buoyant when his physiology did not make, match the makeup of the water. And yet the fisherman had an experience he never experienced on the... Oh, you missed that. He had experiences in it, but not on it. And now he was walking on the water. Why? Because he moved in the moment. There will come moments in your life and they will arrive again that will beckon your courageous audaciousness. What will you do? Will you try to fit in in a sinking ship or will you get out of the boat and walk on water? It is not whether or not the water is ready. It's whether your spirit is ready to step out on faith. I love those moments, and I'm trying to increase, and I have to be transparent. I'm trying to increase the moments in my life where I surprise myself. I, 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 I want to move in such courage and audaciousness that I shock me. When was the last time you surprised yourself where you were taken aback by your own courage? When was the last time? You see, I can look back over moments in my life and I can see where, oh my God, it took courage to do that. And oh my God, it took courage to do this. And oh my God, what was I thinking when we did this? And what was going on when I did that? But you hear this? You got to be careful that those moments are not always in the rearview mirror. You got to keep shocking yourself. And keep blowing your mind and keep leaning on faith and keep trusting in God's presence and power. This journey is ongoing. It's ever evolving. And I want to look back on a regular basis. I don't want to use 10 and 15 year testimonies. I want 10-minute testimonies. I want to shock myself from something I did 10 minutes ago. I want to blow my mind for something I did five minutes ago. What does a journey look like when you move in the moment? Come on, beloved. Let's, let's pray. God, thank you. Oh, thank you, God. Sometimes we forget that we're in your safety. Sometimes we forget, oh God, that, that you are that hedge. And that forgetfulness causes us to be fearful. But God, we've seen your work. We've seen your handiwork. And when we know that you still set encampments around us, Hey, why should we be afraid? Storms should not shake us. Trials should not shake us. Doubters should not shake us. But we will move in the moment 
But those moment moves are instigated by a lifetime of experience with you. We move because we've seen you move. Thank you, God, for inspiring us through our relationship with you. Thank you, God. 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 We love you, Lord. We honor you, God. We're so grateful that our lives are still filled with testimonies of your presence and your power. Thank you, God. Because in those moments we had to move. We did not move by ourselves. Thank you, God. You were there every step of the way. And that's why we can say in the face of the darkness and the storm, we can say it is well. It is well. It is well, God. It is well. It is well. We bless you. We honor you. And it's in your name we pray. And we say amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the FCBC NYC podcast. We hope that what you heard was informative and inspiring and in some way created a space for you to have a creative encounter with God. You can follow us on social media and on the internet at fcbcnyc.org. Please follow and also contribute. If you've been blessed by what you heard, support us financially that we may continue to offer these podcasts. Thank you again, and we look forward to you tuning back in in the future.